Hey there, I'm Darren Steele. I'm a thought leadership coach, a deep thinker, and a writer, and this is Think Queerly, a podcast and a publication on Medium that's grounded in self-examination, personal liberation, and queer thought leadership. Now, before we get into today's, into today's episode, are you a closet queer creative? Are you holding back some wonderful, unique part of who you are that you want to bring to the world? Does the idea of working with a supportive group of encouraging other queer people interest, or dare I say even excite you? Well, if it does, let's have a conversation. Head on over to my website at darrensteel.com and click on the coaching or the work with me item in the menu, and you'll find out more about how I approach coaching and what my thought process is. And then there are details towards the end about my Queer Creatives Mastermind group. So I'm looking for four people maximum that want to play in this group. And I say play because, you know, the work is what you're going to do on your own. The play part is being open. And that's really my work in working with the four people in the group. The play part is being free to be open to explore your creativity but also for all of us to work together to elevate the work that you're working on to help solve the problems or the challenges that you're dealing with in the moment so that you can get back to work so that you can get in flow so that you can finish this writing project book project or whatever endeavor creative endeavor that you're working on that you want to bring into the world So all the details on my website, there is an application form to fill out so that we can sit down and have a discovery call and find out if this program is a good fit for you. All right, let's get into the episode, which I'm calling today, How We Treat Each Other as Queer Leaders, and an invitation to disrupt the status quos. The status quos? Wow. An invitation to disrupt the status quo and elevate hearts and minds. Now, of course, This article is on thinkqueerly.com, and there are a lot of links in the article to some other things that are written that further substantiate what I'm about to share with you here. And it kind of feels like a really significant call to action, like putting my foot down in the sand on the ground to say, this is this is important. This is how I believe we need to move forward in this realm of political engagement, social critique, and trying to change the world and elevate humanity. So for myself and Think Queerly, I founded the publication with a purpose, with a very strong mission statement that informs the ethics of the publication and to create alignment with those who wish to either partake by reading and engaging or contributing to the evolution of the publication and to that level of thought leadership. Now, within the mission statement, there's an unspoken set of standards that I want to more fully address in this podcast today. And one of the most important directives that I state in the mission is that we as queer thinkers and writers are critical of the status quo. Now, at the same time, We can and should engage 
debate our peers even if we disagree with them. But for us to work together successfully as a community of queer thought leaders for a greater purpose, well, we need to be mindful of how we support and treat each other, especially when we're in debate and the possibility of getting heated is ever prevalent. Now, this is one of the many ways that a minority group of people like LGBTQ peoples can work together to affect positive change. You know, get into some debate, root out the issues of disagreement, and then hopefully, boldly, strongly move forward collectively. So I believe that how we treat our own dictates how other people will treat us. You know, if someone verbally attacks another person, especially in a public environment like, let's say, social media, where this is happening more and more, instead of critically engaging with their ideas, if they verbally attack with shaming and swearing, well, they just don't have any credibility in that. I wanted to say debate, but that's not even a debate. It's just a shouting match because it's too easy, if not even lazy, to go on the attack. And of course, it is part of our human nature to want to protect ourselves when we thrill, feel threatened. It is part of our genetic makeup. And even if the threat is only an idea expressed in writing, just as an aside, have you ever noticed how stressed you get if you're in a work environment when maybe your your boss comes at you in a, in a way that you don't like or appreciate, or they talk to you in a way that you don't like, and you just get stressed and messed up for the rest of the day? Like, when you think about it, what is that all about? Why do we get that upset over something like that? That is our ancient brain protecting ourselves, wanting to keep ourselves safe and comfortable. But we have to think not just for ourselves, but for everyone else around us and for whom we wish to work well with and, and those people whom we wish to influence. We need to better ourselves and our behavior in this, oh, look at me, social media culture of instant gratification and, you know, 254 Twitter character attacks. It's, you know, there just isn't the context or the breadth in these short little status updates on Twitter or Facebook or whatever for people to be able to read into empathy. It's too short to engage in any kind of balanced dialogue. For me, this is why I've come to love podcasting, because while it's not a debate, and while I've only done interviews where I'm really putting the spotlight on the person I've brought on the podcast, <clears throat> I do want to challenge myself to get into a conversation where I want to be challenged, and I also want to challenge somebody on the podcast, but this is a place I can go deeper. And when I publish something on Medium, it's usually the 1,200-word mark or more because it takes time to really express a thoughtful, creative or critical, or analytical idea. It can't be done in less than a couple of hundred words. Now, 
As LGBTQ peoples, we suffer from minority stress, shame, and self-esteem to varying degrees. It depends on the person and the location and your age and what generation you grew up in. Our anger and our frustration at the oppression of our identities or lack of inclusion or the fight for equality may often get released upon other members of our own community. And then we end up doing what's called eating our own if we don't agree with something that another queer person says or does. Worse still are the critical attacks towards the people that are disruptors and innovators, those people who dare to share their ideas on an unpopular issue, or, you know, they seek to glean the depths of a perceived problem from a filter that others may have never considered. And just because someone shares a unique point of view does not mean it's de facto incorrect. You know, they might not yet be completely sure of what they've stumbled upon, and they're just trying to work it out when they express it in writing or on their podcast or in their video. They may be attempting to unpack some deeper issue that hasn't yet been fully addressed. But this is the nature of disruption and also creativity, bringing something new to the world, opening up minds that may have otherwise been rigid or closed to these possibilities. Just think back for a moment on yourself. Was there something you really vehemently and emotionally were so steadfastly against a year ago, five, ten years ago, but now you do it all the time, or now it's something you believe, or it's now it's something you recognize was just a product of your own ignorance in the past, something you just did not know about. So instead of going immediately off the rails and finding fault with every single thing that a person has written or said, which is, you know, what what often happens is when people go off the rails, they start saying things that make no sense, that are completely intangential to what was originally said, or they actually start bringing in things that are their own issues and have nothing to do with what was originally said. State it. So perhaps instead of going off the rail, step back and wonder, consider what might be right, no matter how small, in what that person has shared. Is there anything to be learned from what this person wrote to whom you are really wanting to lash out at? Is there a point of familiarity or similarity to anything that they've said no matter how small or seemingly inconsequential. But, you know, when we perceive injustice or prejudice from within our community, we may feel more wounded than we would if we felt this oppression from heterosexist norms or from so-called straight people putting us down. But this is a case where we need to be more empathetic and understanding of our issues as LGBTQ plus peoples, which can be far more easily triggered by those with similar experiences. It is simply the requisite practice of being kind, gentle, understanding, and ultimately empathetic so that 
we do not intentionally or unconsciously hurt our own. I believe that more often than not that we lash out in an unconscious fashion in a space that seems like it should be safe to do so. You know, think about how often you've said something far more hurtful to your lover or partner or family member than you ever would to a complete stranger. It's proximity that lowers our defenses, a catch-22 when, when egos are triggered, right? The person you love the most is often the person you may wind up hurting the most. Now, thinking outside the status quo is a disruptive act. You know, to think and write queerly requires an understanding that binaries like right, wrong, good, bad, gay, straight, cis, trans, and so on are simply mental constructs. They're ways in which we create identifications and labels to look at what we observe in the world. Instead, we need to read between the lines. We need to hear what is not expressly said and then transcend someone's opinion that is not in alignment with what we believe to be correct. We need to find the place from where our disagreement and reaction comes from inside of ourselves and then try and navigate a way back to the center. Call it a place of no binary. It isn't just this or that. And from that place of the center, we can be the witness. We can observe the complexity of both sides of the argument or of the debate with a practiced equanimity, a balance towards trying to see where both sides are coming from. And then from there, perhaps make choices or inform our decisions about how we're going to address the other person how we're going to debate the other person in a supportive way that is not a personal attack, but rather looks at critiquing their ideas. So here's kind of the call to action part. You know, as queer leaders, I believe we would all stand in the same agreement by saying we oppose bigotry, prejudice, and inequality. But there's probably a few things we need to consider for how we can all do and be better in this pursuit. So here's a list of things. We will strive to be careful with our thoughts, judgments, and biases. We will pay attention to ensure that what someone says is not taken out of context and used to weaponize or embarrass them or to ruin something they've created. We will handle ourselves with personal responsibility for our words and actions, taking ownership of our tone, opinion, criticism, and making respectful disagreement. We will do better than judge people for isolated incidents. Instead, we will appraise them for the complete context of what they do and say. 
Just expand on that one a little bit more. It is so easy to take something out of context. Something somebody says or shares as a quote from someone else or their own in a tweet. Twitter is probably the worst place for this, right? Taken out of context. The number of people that have come at me for something that I've shared from a one-minute clip from this podcast or a paragraph or two from one of my articles, and then they jumped on just what was shared. You can't do that because out of context, it doesn't make sense. You can perhaps attack the idea when you have listened to the whole podcast or read the whole article or book and then frame the objection or the attack within the frame of that entire piece of work. Getting back to the list. We will do better than judge people for isolated incidents. That's the one I just said. Good. (laughs) On to the next one. We will consider another person's words and ideas in the context of which they are presented. If we need clarification, we will ask a question about that which we don't understand, and we will wait for them to answer. Maybe to expand on that as well. I'm guilty of this. I want to jump in. I want to share my opinion. I want to talk over the other person. I want to get my point out there because I'm so heated. I just want to say it right away. (sighs) The most humble thing we can do is to give the other person the benefit of the doubt. Not to let them railroad us or to try and convince us of anything, but having asked a critical question, then step back and let them justify their thoughts and their beliefs. We will seek to be the best we can be and help others do the best with what they know. There's an expression in some coaching circles that says everybody is doing the best with what they know and with where they are. And I think that's true to a certain extent, but I think as a queer thought leader, as somebody who is a strong advocate for LGBTQ visibility and inclusion and equality, There are times and places where I think we need to take people to task, but that doesn't mean we have to attack them verbally. It means we need to elevate their consciousness and awareness. We need to bring them out of ignorance so they can see what they are saying and doing is wrong and to help them understand why it's wrong. It might not work in that first instance, but to let it go is perpetuating ignorance and prejudice and oppression. The last Call to action is we will promote an attitude of elevating others and bringing them along with us. That's basically what I just said, right? Lead like no one is watching and give people a philosophy, a better way of thinking more critically. So with that, it's time to rise up, right? I mean, this is like, 60s and 70s language, but it's still relevant. I think in this modern day and age of just popping a few words on social media, we've forgotten that we still need to take a stand in a larger way because we can be forceful and eloquent without having to stoop to the level of people who work to bring other people down. As queer leaders, we can lead with our words and dialogue and constructive criticism and analysis. And when we need to, we can take it to the streets 
We can protest, we can march, we can organize. As queer thought leaders, we will be appreciated for our powerful, emotionally intelligent, insightful, and empathetic dialogue that helps people, that helps other people become more considerate, understanding, and willing to thoughtfully engage with us. Above all, we can choose to be honest and forthright. We will speak the truth because there's nothing to gain from falsehoods or white lies which only serve self-preservation, which are the final acts of someone who is petty, dishonest, power-seeking, and unforgiving. I'm calling for humane rights, not human rights. This is an expression from J.J. Belanger, and I've spoken about this before. Now, think queerly is a politically charged, sometimes impassioned platform, both here on the podcast and on the publication. And given the nature of my mission statement, it sometimes risks becoming volatile in the eyes and ears of those who are afraid of change or controversy. So many people are afraid of intense criticism, thinking that it's an attack, but it's a fine line. Or they're afraid of being scrutinized. Or they're afraid of social disruption because they're comfortable. They don't want things to change. They like what they have. But sharp critique, sharp criticism and analysis and taking personal responsibility for that and for one's message is not the same as exclusion. What grounds think queerly is the requisite desire for queer people to be heard, to be seen, and to be accepted without conditions. Because we do not need and we will not excuse ourselves for being queer. As queer people, we require complete and unconditional humane rights. And to accomplish this noble goal, we need to first look within ourselves as the ultimate source of leadership and inspiration for the rest of humanity. Thank you for being here and listening, and think queerly.